Welcome to our Investigation Game Podcast mini-sode. Today, I am not joined by Alicia. Bummer. But get excited because I now have Rachel with me today. So on our last episode of the podcast, I had interviewed John Kerry Rue, who wrote the book Bad Blood, about the Theranos scam. And so I thought it would be fun to have Rachel on because Rachel is actually the one that introduced me to the book. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, happy to be here. So I originally heard about Theranos just like, on the news. And then I'm a podcast junkie. And so I saw, I think it was ABC who put out the podcast, The Dropout. And then you said you were reading Bad Blood. And then I think Megan was watching the HBO documentary. So we were all just talking about this one day. And anyway, there's just a lot of really interesting things about this story, I think, and how it pertains to what we do. I just couldn't get into all of the nitty gritty in my interview with Mr. Carrie Roos. So I thought we'd just talk about it today. Yeah. Okay, so in the tradition of the mini-sode, I'm going to start the timer. So we have 10 minutes to talk about some interesting things. All right. No rush. And we're not <laughs> going to talk fast. We're going to try really hard not to talk fast. If you don't aren't familiar with the story of Theranos, then I highly recommend you read the book. At a minimum, go back and listen to the podcast from last week. So we're just going to jump in because we only have 10 minutes. First of all, I thought that it's interesting that in this book, there's such a gray area that I think Elizabeth and Sonny navigated pretty well. But this gray area between the fraud that was committed, but then also its research. Mm-hmm. So fraud against the investors, but also it being research. And I can't remember if we talked about this in the review and John Carrier talked about this, but I think one of you brought up like Elon Musk is kind of mm-hmm. a good example of a public figure who's like, because most of what he's done has worked out so far or he's had products that are successful, he falls on the side of like, wow, great innovator. But you know, you're kind of in that area when you're really pushing the boundaries, how long can you push them for without anything coming of it before it's fraud? (laughs) Right. And actually you saying that reminds me that I had a case where there were investors involved and the company almost went bankrupt because the person managing the funds was just spending them and, you know, living large on the company. But the investors rallied together and salvaged the company and kicked out the person managing the money. Then they ended up like actually getting close. I don't know if they have now, but like they were rebounding. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that law enforcement said, well, where's the loss? Right. And so it's interesting because yes, technically the investors were defrauded, but because they're about to make all this money on this thing potentially working and selling, Mm -hmm. then there's really not. And so I feel like that's kind of the difference between like the Elon Musk And then Elizabeth. Yeah. Does it all work out in the end? Right. And the other thing I thought was really interesting is before our podcast was recorded and everything, I went to a Tulsa Library talk on Bad Blood, the book. And the speaker, I wish I could remember the name of her organization, but they're partially funded by the state of Oklahoma. And they're basically like angel investors or like, Mm -hmm. you know, they invest in just very out there kind of startup techie businesses. And she was talking about how... In that world, I mean, they're used to things being kind of a moonshot. Like, a real small percentage of their investments actually pay out. But when they do, they pay out really big. And so she was kind of saying, you know, to people not in that world, it's like, well, the promises they were making were so over the top. You know, how could they ever fulfill them? But she was saying, like, it's actually not... Like, she did come down on the side of saying, like, what they did was too far. But it's not as unusual as you would think. Yeah. 
and the idea of are they a tech company are they like this startup with this great idea who's a tech company or are they a lab mm-hmm. and just even navigating those gray areas that I think kind of intertwine with was it a fraud was it not and all of those things I think that they used whatever fit their needs at the time mm-hmm. yeah and you can get away with a lot more when you're a tech startup than when you're a federally regulated medical lab right exactly <laughs> as uh, CFBs we talk about tone at the top and how the attitudes of management roll down you know, to everybody else. I just think it's interesting that the tone at the top was secretive mm-hmm. and no communication and everything had to go through Elizabeth and all this stuff. But then she was like wanting the employees to create something magical. Mm-hmm. And like, how do you do that? If the tone at the top is fear, like nobody ever makes good creative decisions out of fear. Mm-hmm. So Especially keeping everything so siloed as they did to kind of protect themselves. But that's not really how I think anyone would say actual innovation happens. (laughs) Right. And with that type of tone at the top, too, it just breeds so many problems. So I just kind of find it ironic that they were going to build something incredible, but yet the tone at the top was actually like to suppress all Mm -hmm. of that. So, And it kind of sets the tone for, we have talked about this a little bit, I think, how some people that she hired were like pretty early in their careers. Yeah. And so if you don't necessarily know what's normal, it can be a lot easier to fall into that like, well, maybe this is what it's like, you know, especially because uh, Elizabeth and Sunny couched so much of what they were doing in terms of like trade secrets. And, yes. you know, that's how they justified all their non-disclosure agreements and things like that. I think it would be hard if you're like in your early 20s and maybe haven't been in another company before to mm-hmm. know what's normal and what's not. Yeah. Or even what's like realistic, you know, because they would threaten a lot with lawsuits. Mm -hmm. But in the book, I don't really remember those lawsuits really coming to any conclusion. It was more like using lawsuits as threats and weapons. And I mean, wasn't it Tyler's family spent like almost half a million dollars Mm -hmm. on legal fees? Like, just because they had all this investor money, and so then they could just fund these lawsuits and just use them as weapons to harass and intimidate. And with his family, he did fight back, but so many people I'm sure didn't, because how does the average person know, like, if this legal threat has anything behind it or not? You know, or if it's something to actually be concerned about. Yeah. And then I would just be afraid of speaking, you know, if I was new in the field and I have an apartment I've got to pay for now and all these other things, and, like, if I say something against management, like they could not only fire me, but also like sue me Mm -hmm. into bankruptcy. I mean, could they do that? Like in interviewing Mr. Carrie and reading his book, I realized that he relies on sources very different from those sources that we feel most comfortable with Mm -hmm. relying on people sources instead of data sources. Mm -hmm. And for us, I think we focus so much on like best evidence, like getting the most detached third party unbiased evidence possible, whereas he doesn't really have that option. So his big emphasis for quality data is corroboration. Like he was always trying to, even if he couldn't get people to go on the record, can he get people on deep background to corroborate the story his first sources are telling him? Right. But he still had to find ways to find people who were willing to go on the record. Mm -hmm. Like I've got all these people who are confidential, which is great, but how am I going to just cite a whole bunch of confidential sources that I, that people could think that I made up? Yeah. I mean... Especially when you've got Elizabeth represented by, you know, this high-powered attorney and lots of funds. 
Anyway, it definitely challenged me to maybe consider how do sources fit into our investigations too Mm -hmm. going forward. Like we're really good at going to get that best evidence and everything, but there's still a people component in the cases where mixing that client story or other employees' stories or whatever can help with that. There have been some updates even since the recording of the podcast with Mr. Kerry Rue because, what was it, 2018, there was the indictment for two counts of conspiracy and then like nine counts of wire fraud. And then in February, the judge dismissed the conspiracy count related to patients and doctors. And were you going to say something? Oh, just the patients that didn't personally pay. Insured patients who didn't pay for the tests themselves. Right. I've read a lot of different stories. And then finally, I just downloaded the judge's order (laughs) because I'm like, wait, wait, wait. But so what it seemed like to me is that, you know, to have a fraud count you have to have intent and benefit and mixed in there you've got to have some party like suffering some sort of loss Mm -hmm. and so if the insurance company is the one that paid for the test then the doctors and patients didn't really have a loss Mm -hmm. yeah i thought that made sense but they said i guess that they still had a problem with sending incorrect information is that right but they weren't really defrauded of money yes correct and yeah some of the wire fraud counts are actually just sending the patient results to the doctors. Yeah, I thought that was so interesting because I am not as familiar with the specifics of like fraud-related charges as you are, and I didn't realize that wire fraud could be wiring of information and not just of funds. I had actually, I had forgotten about that <laughs> until I read that. And then the other part of the wire fraud was uh, the investor money. Oh, that's right. And I know that I had this question, and I know that Kelly Paxton asked me this question on LinkedIn. How much did Elizabeth personally benefit? And so I read through the indictment, I'll admit fairly quickly, in prepping for this, but I don't see where they actually showed how she personally benefited from mm-hmm. all of this, other than maybe Mr. Carrie Rue mentioned just a la- more lavish lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But I think she was so consumed with the business that her lifestyle is kind of ingrained in the business. I mean, she like mm-hmm. never left the office. Yeah, so. everything she did was related to the business. So, so it's just like, it's not like she was traveling for fun. She was traveling in like a Gulfstream to go to the White House. I mean. Right, or her personal security detail was like following her around on business, but. Right, right. Anyway, wow. so that's all the time we have, <laughs> but that's pretty much all that we had uh, prepared for today. So that worked out well. But the trial is scheduled for August of 2020, and they think that it's going to take, the judge thinks it's going to take about three weeks. And so I'm looking forward to like covering it. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Highly recommend the book. Yes. I mean, it's available everywhere and it's on all kinds of bestseller lists and the paperback just came out, which is why he was in Tulsa on that tour. And so we're really thankful that he took time to visit with us and it was just really, really cool. And we hope that you all go buy the book and learn a lot about this case because it is fascinating. So thanks so much for joining us on this week's mini-sode and we'll see you next time. The Investigation Game is brought to you by Workman Forensics. For more information on the business and its services, visit workmanforensics.com. Find us on social media on any social media platform at Workman Forensics. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or topic ideas, please email us at podcast at workmanforensics.com. Thanks for listening.